what is up everybody i cannot explain to you the frustrations i have had this week with my technology did a podcast with janet gaskins from horizon health and that was all screwed up about 20 minutes in and get this crazy robotic tweak and it just stays there for like a half hour I'm having so much trouble recording. I don't know why. I was doing another podcast on Sunday, and it just stops recording. 40 minutes in, I look over, and we missed about 20 minutes. So I don't know what's happening. It's a test of my patience. I've been spending many hours, many, many hours, trying to figure out and find out what the problem is. But anywho, first world problems. It'll get fixed. I can guarantee you that much. But this is episode 35 of Room 9 Podcast. And once again, Matthew Oliver joins me. And we touch on really relationships, toxic relationships, a little bit of mindfulness. So you guys will enjoy that. Be sure to go to room9podcast.com, contact page, fill something out, get an email, check out what's happening, Facebook page. Go on iTunes, give us a review at Room 9 Podcast, rate us, that would be awesome. Trying to get an idea of how many people are really listening. It seems to be a tough thing, but in the future, uh, Room 9 is going to be collaborating with Spectrum Health and Human Services. So I'm really looking forward to working with them and doing a podcast with them, and it's going to be pretty awesome. I'm excited about it. Other than that, there's not a ton going on. Just staying busy. By the time you hear this, I'm pretty much well going to be speaking at Save the Michaels with my mom and sister and for the family support group, so that's going to be awesome. Definitely looking forward to touching base with some people there and really sharing our experience with everything. But yes, Matt is on, I don't know, probably the sixth, seventh time that he's been on so far. But he is my go-to when I need a podcast up because I had an issue with something or one couldn't get done in time or whatever it may be. Matt is always there for awesome and beautiful conversations. I always enjoy my conversations with Dishfella. They are always good and productive. And he's a great guy to have around, so... I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. As I said before, go to room9podcast.com, check out what's going on, share us on your social media pages, let's get this message out there. We gotta get the word out, many people as possible. My business plan is pretty much well about done. I'm excited about that, so might be able to go out and get some funding to really start getting and pushing Room 9 to get out to as many people as possible, because I'm excited about the future, folks. I'm excited about how many lives this business is going to change one day and how many lives it's already changed. It's really exciting to know that I've been able to be a part of this. It's been nothing but surreal. It's been nothing but humbling. Just the amazing people I have met through this Room 9 experience. It has been awesome. So, anywho, here is episode 35 of the Room 9 podcast with Matthew Oliver. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I will talk to you next week. Wait a minute. You're showing coming. Oh, you better believe it. How you gonna know? Think about that one.
I'm officially out of the Oxford house. That is great news. I'm so proud of you. Wait a second. <laughs> You're proud of me, eh? Mm-hmm. You're moving on up. Anywhere. Anywhere I go. I just can't wait to have a place where, all right, this is my fucking studio. Nobody else is in this area. Right. I don't got to worry about noises. I don't got to mm-hmm. worry about neighbors. I don't got to worry about roommates. You know, it's just like an ideal I'm very studio much well looking for. Yes, I can't wait. Yeah. Come on, access VR. I need money. <laughs> yeah, right. Dude, they have, man, they hooked me up with school. And, which I should probably text my recovery coach because she said they probably will pay for, uh, they'll pay for tools. I was like, what? That's right. I remember you telling me that. What, um, what's the max amount of money you can get from them? Do you know? I have no idea. I know I'm not anywhere near it because BOCES was like three grand. And I know it's like way more than that because usually they're paying for college. I know. I'm hoping I can get a good chunk of change from them. You could probably get a good two, maybe three million dollars. <laughs> Shut up. Sorry. Your business. <laughs> three million dollars. <laughs> I was thinking like 10 grand. Yeah, you could realistically, you probably easily get that. I didn't know that they even did that though. Like I thought it was all specifically school, but I guess no, no. it is for like uh, rehabilitating adults to get yeah. back into the workforce, right? So yep. that's what you're doing. Exactly, and I'm kicking ass at it. Indeed, I would have to agree. And I think I got one more, one more meeting with my uh, business advisor to finish the business plan. Okay, so is that what Access is waiting on? Yes. Okay. So yeah, tomorrow I got I got a list of to dos tomorrow morning where I got to send emails to that Nicole Tatum and she's great. Let her know that I'm probably going to be wrapping up soon and be ready to get in front of the old board. Good. And yeah, I feel like as long as you present something that is like coherent and concise and con- 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 cohesive. I'm trying to think of other C words to throw at you. Anyway, th- they're not just going to be like, no, sorry, no money for you. They'll probably give you something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, have you gone out to Niagara Falls and done any like music recording recently or no? No, it's been a little bit. I was actually, my buddy's done with uh, work for the summer. He's a teacher. Yeah. Um, we were just actually on the phone together about two, three days ago because I was sharing him with him my news about Spectrum Health. Mm-hmm. And oh, um, yeah, that's awesome, yeah, so dude. we are going to uh, plan some some time to do so. Dude, I would love to join you guys. I will have to uh, let you know because we we're going to throw back. we're going to throw a few dates on the old do it yes. schedule. Absolutely. So. Um, yeah, and congrats by the way on that spectrum thing. That is awesome, bro. Yeah, I'm hoping to um, hear back. Thank you, and yeah, I'm hoping to hear back from them on. Monday. So that's going to be, that's going to have nothing to do with Room 9, right? It's going to be its own independent Um, podcast? No, it's going to be like a collaboration. Room 9 and Spectrum Health. Okay. So are they going to be like feeding you people to interview and stuff? That's what I just put in my last email because we talked about post-production. Right. And I said, you know, about eight hours of work. We still got to all kind of get the the wrinkles ironed out. But um, yeah. You know, so that's what I asked in the email. I said, these are just some things that were coming to my mind that we still have to kind of figure out. Am mm-hmm. I going to be doing, I assume we're, it's going to be a joint effort in that area? Because mm-hmm. they're going to have, I'm sure they have a ton of people they want yeah. to hear their stories. And... Yeah, I'm sure within, so if you think about like Horizon, right, it's probably similar to that where there are people who have gone through it and a counselor feels that this person's story can have an effect on mm-hmm. other people and it would be a good one. So, yeah, that's great, man. That's kind of just feeding you content. 
Yeah, and it's like I got free marketing here. Right, yeah. You know? Like yeah. their their marketing people are gonna be I mean it's gonna have my name on it when mm-hmm. they try to promote it and I'm pretty pumped great. about it, dude. Yeah. yeah. It's exciting exciting I'm, times. Yeah, and I'm glad that you're not just like zeroing in on horizon and you're kind of exploring other companies because horizon is probably one of the largest in the area but there are you know there's more recovery in buffalo than just horizon oh there's yeah there's so much more and i have a feeling i'm gonna start something yeah i feel like this is gonna start a podcast war oh between these different and you know obviously i think they all try to at least put the facade on that they're all working as one cohesive unit right Right. Which we know deep down when in their, their board <laughs> meetings are like, we got to get out and number them. They're beating us. But, you know, they at least put that, that on. But I, I feel like this is going to start something. Where other... Um, other like people yeah. like Best Self and her, mm-hmm. they're going to try to come out with podcasts. and Yeah, I think that would... I mean, it can only benefit you, mm-hmm. you know. And... Just getting the message out there, obviously, which is the ultimate goal. Right? Yeah. So it doesn't is, matter what is. name is behind it. Ultimately, you're just trying to to help people. Yeah. As long as I mean, just Room Nine isn't taking a back seat. No, absolutely. You know not. that name is going with me everywhere. Yeah, you definitely need to to pump that. Whether up. it's Room Nine with or Room Nine and. Yeah. So yeah, you know what? That you can you can play with the wording and just kind of see what rolls off the tongue. You know, but you'll find it. It'll just, one day you'll say it and it'll work, mm-hmm. you know. So. That's right. So, and that's you awesome. know, and they discussed, you know, having to go to once a week, man. And that's that's going to be awesome. Yeah, because that's what you're doing now. Yeah. So, for now, you just throw one of theirs in a month. So, one every four, right, mm-hmm. is going to be a, a spectrum with spectrum or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest will be yours. And then if they want to hop on for the rest of them, more power to them. That's going to be sweet. Yeah. yeah and you I'm, might... I'm very much well looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be great. Good for you, man. I'm proud of you, man. You've Thank been, you. You've really been pushing this out. Yeah, and to think how young it still is, though, too. Well, yeah, crazy. it's not been a long yeah. time. But seriously, if this was one of those things, and I'll, I've already admitted this in the past, I thought this was going to be one of those things that's like, oh, yeah, this is going to be fun to do, and then it just fizzles out. That would have already happened by now. Oh my God! Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that oh, would happen I, three I said months that, ago. Yeah, I said that three months into it. Like right, because I, I was waiting for that. Because that's what's happened my whole life. Mm-hmm. Like I've got this creative idea. I get it together. I start it. Yeah, this is awesome. Yes. And really, the biggest difference is is really how I think of myself now. That's what always trampled me down. Was I didn't want to put the hard work in because I didn't have the confidence in my abilities to be able to be successful at the thing that I was trying to do. And that is the biggest difference between now and then Mm -hmm. is my confidence in myself going into meetings with CEOs and be like, whatever. Yeah, I can do this. Yeah. I mean, I know if I put the work in, I can do it and I can do it good. Right. And I will only continuously get better. And that's another awesome thing is I have that confidence, but I also have that humility of where I'm constantly listening to myself, constantly trying to get better, listening to other podcasts, seeing how I can become a better host or better at editing and everything else. So Yeah, and every time you take a step in the right direction, you know, you build on, on that confidence mm-hmm. and it just keeps getting greater and greater. Well, that is a fact. So that's awesome, man. Yeah, so it's pretty sweet. And we here we are back in the original Room right. 9 studio. This is a great, great honor of mine yeah. to be here. This is where Andy and I started it. Oh, Andrew. I haven't talked to him in forever. I feel like I may not have his new phone number. You probably don't. You probably don't. 
Anyways. Yes. So, here we are. Unfortunately, I don't know if this uh, episode with Janet Gaskin is going to get fixed or not. I Just eight minutes into mm. it, it gets all funky, dude. In what way? Like, it gets... The sound waves get smaller, mm. but it sounds like it's clipping. Did it compress itself? So, I have to go through and just see... I closed it out without saving it, so I'm hoping that maybe I did something along the way, accidentally highlighted something, mm. or... That's what I'm saying. So, it sounds yeah. like maybe you put some compression on or something. So I have to find out. Which I have very limited knowledge in sound production. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so do I. Obviously, every time I edit, I learn something new. I mean, I don't know. I sent it over to my buddy to see if he can look at it, which is good. I'm glad this is happening now as opposed to when I'm doing this with Spectrum. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit. You know, so I'm hoping I can learn how to fix it. And obviously, I have to have backup plans. Yeah, get those kinks worked out. No. But I also forgot I'm actually doing an episode on Sunday, too. A guy's coming in from Rochester. That dude I sent you uh, that one post from on Facebook. Right, so relationships. But, yeah, so that's what I wanted to talk about is kind of get into relationships in this episode with you because I've just seen so many toxic relationships, people in toxic relationships, mm-hmm. unhealthy relationships. It's almost like they enjoy it. It's almost like the need for or I should say the fear of being alone out trumps any kind of like positive relationship. It doesn't matter if this is a good relationship or healthy. Right. I just don't want to be alone. Mm-hmm. And almost it's almost an addiction to not wanting to be alone and an addiction to wanting to be needed. Right. And you need someone like giving you feedback on how great you are. You know what I mean? Like the reason for that I think is because you can't validate yourself. Mm-hmm. So you need someone else to validate you by telling you how great you are and how much they love you and and blah 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 i think though now i'm kind of seeing why like when you're going through rehab these counselors just harp on like don't get in a relationship if you're in one already fine we'll work you know on building it or you know repairing it but don't get in a relationship in early recovery because that's what it becomes it totally does it happened let's just start in the village happened with andy I told him with that freaking crazy. No, I think this is something real, though, Sean. I really do. I think that you know, she's a real special girl. And it just it kills me. Dude. How many but there's times no, have you heard that? There's uh, so many times this one's from different, so many though. different people. But yeah. I've said it. That's the worst oh part. Is I've gosh. said it. I'm not. I can't even pretend to be above all of this because ugh, I've said it. I just. I don't know. <laughs> I've never. I've never been like that in my life, dude. Right. I don't know what it is that I mean, a lot of things I bring back to my brother and sister dying just I'm made sure, me yeah. like just something happened, obviously, with that in my brain as far as I, I don't know, because I had a girlfriend when I was a girlfriend in quotes when I was like 14, 15 mm-hmm. for a few months. I was like, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I'm going to make out and, you know, touch my privates. <laughs> <laughs> and then that was it until I honestly I never like. I'd had like the phone kind of relationships in elementary school and all that, whatever okay. that is. I had this girlfriend from youth group when I was like 13, 14 ish, mm-hmm. junior high ish, maybe a little bit. Never had a girlfriend really in high school. Okay. So we get into that. And then I moved down to Florida and then I met Michelle, which we were, our connection was just we partied together, really. And mm-hmm. I knocked her up. And that's the only reason I stayed Ooh. with her for a little bit. But then that was it. I ended that. And then I got it. Like I had it figured out now. Now I know what I yeah. want. Now I know what I need. And if I don't get it, 
I'm fine with that. Okay. And I tell people constantly, you want to you want to find somebody awesome and perfect for you? Just learn how to be okay to be alone. Mm-hmm. And if you learn that, you're eventually going to form a friendship. You're not going to rush anything. You're not going to rush sex with somebody. And you're going to form a friendship with somebody that will eventually become, become something so much bigger and mm-hmm. better. Yeah, and I think that kind of advice gets disregarded because it's so cliched that you hear that and you almost immediately disregard it because it's like, oh, yeah, you and every other person has told me, like, how are you going to love someone else if you don't love yourself first kind of thing, which, but it's so true. That, and there's a reason that things become cliches is Most because of the time. It's they're like stereotypes. True. Yeah. <laughs> Right. They're yes. there for a reason. Yes, exactly. Most of the time that's a fact. Right. <laughs> so and so beyond that, let's let's look at another case here. And this is kind of a recent addition to the Trowbridge is the new kid that is like if if he's not on the phone arguing with this girl that may or may not be his girlfriend, it's weird. Like mm-hmm. you know who I'm talking about? Yes. And I asked him, I was like, Do you like that sort of mental abuse? And he like laughed it off and I was like, No, I'm serious. I really am like wondering what it is that causes you to feel the need to to continue yes. in this. Like to participate I mean, it's ridiculous. Before we go farther into it, let's give some examples for people who are listening. So this dude moves into the Oxford house, and he really is like, he's a really good-hearted dude. He's gentle-hearted. He's gentle spirit. Extremely kind. Extremely friendly. Extremely nice. And so my first experience with him and observing him and his girlfriend, whatever, if that's what she is, is we're in South Buffalo. They're in Orchard. She lives in Hamburg. Mm-hmm. which a drive that's like in a car is like 20 25 minutes yeah that's okay? no short trip so she is flipping out on him because he will not ride his bike there and go ride his bike back to the oxford house mm-hmm. where he has to be in at 10 o'clock at night right and she has a car yeah and she will refuses to pick him up and hang out with him <laughs> and she is like legitimately pissed off yelling at him yeah berating him berating him calling him names you're a piece of shit i'm going to break up i think she literally broke up well that's what he said that was my first experience is i heard him i was in bed and i heard him like oh this girl broke up with me because of that Mm -hmm. and um but then the next day me and him actually ended up hanging out because i was randomly off work on a friday which never happens but whatever that's right you guys went to get the blow of a firework or something. Yeah, yeah, and she got mad about that because she was like, oh, I have a little bit of time between clients or something. Do you want to talk on the phone? He's like, not really. Like, I'm with someone. I'm doing something. And mm-hmm. she got angry about that. And then she got angry about him taking a walk to the convenience store yeah. with Sean. And, yeah. like, this is such juvenile malarkey that I could... At first, I didn't take it seriously. But watching him participate in it and then feed into it yeah, like, oh, I hate this woman. Oh, my God. Right. She pisses me off. Like, and, I, I mean, I've had conversations with him. Dude, what is it? What part of you likes this or enjoys being in this relationship? Like, what is it? And the only thing he told me, because I asked him the same thing, is he's like, I hope that one day it can get back to where it was. And he had mentioned that he had relapsed and then the relationship was destroyed. And I was actually talking to my girlfriend about this. And we had said, like, it's next to impossible to rebuild that type of trust. 
after a relapse. Now, your let's say your situation is different because I think you've been together for a very long time. Right. And you've developed your relationship prior to you ever being like found out for using or whatever. Mm -hmm. You had developed a very deep relationship, something that you don't throw away or that you can't really just walk away from. Mm -hmm. What we were kind of referring to is like a a relationship like the one I'm in where we've been together, I think, four months now. If I were to relapse today, right, it would be impossible on both our parts, like not just her or me, but it would be impossible for me to have the patience to build the trust up with her again. It's just because she would be so paranoid all the time that that I'm going to relapse and is something that we're doing going to cause me to relapse again? Or did she have some sort of contribution to it? All of these things are going to play into it, and I'm, I won't have the patience to rebuild that trust because I'll get so frustrated with the fact that I'm back to good and I have the best intentions, so I want to do better again. Why can't you just allow me to do better? Hmm. And that would, we wouldn't, we kind of agreed like we wouldn't be able to recover from a relapse if i if i did that yeah i'm i'm just trying to i mean it just takes a lot of hard work Mm -hmm. on both ends yeah that person has to be willing enough to be patient Mm -hmm. and it takes a just it takes a total 180 like it takes 100 percent communication yes in my relationship there's plenty of times to date where christine has been you know, where there's signs that I know she's feeling like, oh, okay, this is a little weird. This is awkward. And I've had to, so I've had to learn to, A, I can't feel guilty. Obviously, I can totally feel like, yes, this is my mistake. This is my fault why it's here. But I cannot let the guilt run me and run how I'm going to live. For instance, you know, I do this designated drivers of Buffalo job. I didn't realize one night I was on the schedule, so she asked me if I worked. I said no. 10 o'clock when I'm supposed to check in, I get a text, hey, are you ready to go? I'm like, oh, shit, I got to work. I didn't know. I didn't know I was on the schedule, okay? She's like, okay. And then I get a call at 1.30 in the morning to go do a car, to go pick up somebody. She texts me, are you really gone right now? And I'm like, yeah, I got a call. She's like, well, this is really shady. Mm-hmm. okay which understandably so i've told yeah. her every day when i've had to work and i didn't know what i had to do is i said well i can't feel i'm not going to feel guilty about this here's the number for the dispatcher here's pictures of my text here is you know right. she i had the peep dispatcher send me pictures of the map the times where i was my locations and it takes stuff like that as opposed to now this could be in another case it could go this is really shady right now what the fuck? I'm not even right. doing anything. Get offended. I don't understand what your problem is. I'm trying to do everything right. Right. That. Like, what the hell? You don't ever let me, you know, because it, it yeah. takes both people being understanding yes. and wanting to work on it. That self-righteous indignance mm-hmm. could kick in and totally make that, totally destroy that situation and mm-hmm. then hurt the relationship where what you did is you're willing now to, okay, I get, like, put myself in, in your shoes, mm-hmm. right? You did that. It looks weird. It would look weird. And me doing it with my history, it looks even weirder. It looks because really how many bizarre. times were you like, oh, I got to go to work at one in the morning? So many stupid things, score. I would say. Oh, I got to go and do this. I got to go and do that. I, I would disappear all the I time. I was huge on using the, um, my friend broke down on the side of the road. I got to oh go my help gosh. him. Yeah. I probably use that like four different times. Like, nobody breaks down. <laughs> friend needs a new goddamn car, Matt. <laughs> but and there's, there's always just, the same oh, drug So many stories. Friend. Another big one is. 
I would say I'm going, and you know how drug dealers take forever yes. all the time. Yes. So you're yeah. thinking in your head, all right, I'll be right back. I gotta go. I'm gonna go run to the corner store real quick, or right. gonna right. go run to the grocery store, and you're waiting and waiting. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, I forgot. I gotta go pick this up too. You know, where are you? Where are you at? Oh, sorry, I forgot. I gotta swing over here. Like, so I kept having, you know, the change of plans in the middle of a plan. Mm-hmm. And there's been a few times I think, oh, the one time. No, it wasn't you. I took somebody else to go cash their check, and they wouldn't do it at Tops. And so I was like, "Sorry, it's taking a little longer. I gotta take. I think it was that dude Nick. I gotta take Nick somewhere else to go cash his check." Right. And I could hear in her voice when I got home that she it just it brought up those old memories for her. Yes. It brought up those yeah. feelings, and I said to her, "I'm sorry that you know this happened. I know that bothers you because I said it a lot all the time." You know, it's just about communicating. Yes. It's about talking. Hey, this is bothering me. This is bringing up old feelings. I'm sorry. What can we do to, you know, make this not happen anymore? Because it takes a lot of work and a long time to get that trust back. Yeah. And I think you, like, coming to her because, so you get home, right? And she's feeling that way. But at the same time, probably doesn't want to bring it up to you because she doesn't want to put you in a defensive position Mm -hmm. right so for you to come out and address it with her first and say hey it sounds like you probably feel this way am i right or wrong Mm -hmm. really opening up that door for an open honest dialogue is huge like you have to have that and then you being willing to prove it you know because you should be able to an extent you should be Somehow, able to prove yeah. if you're telling the truth, like it's usually pretty easy to prove it. If you're making stuff up, it's going to be difficult. Yes. So I don't know. I think for me being in the position that I'm in, this is a new relationship. So I don't have any history. The only to go off of. Right. Yeah. The only person that she knows is me in recovery. And, you know, that mm-hmm. Matt is great realistically that's like right. that's the person who i want to be if i were to relapse it would be a total 180 and she does not want to know or meet that person no like ever and i don't ever want her to see that person that's not somebody that i want to share with anybody ever again you know so i think that's where it's different so if if i were to relapse you know she's made it pretty abundantly clear that if i do like you know we're basically through and i'm like you know i get it i'll probably just disappear into a rehab for a while (laughs) you won't ever see me again which obviously that's not what i want to happen right nobody plans for that nobody says okay you know next july i'm probably gonna relapse again or whatever but realistically yeah like come find me at terrace house on wednesdays for visitation but yeah realistically that could happen like you never want to think it's going to happen to you and i don't know that's just the human spirit that's the way we are we want to plan for best case scenario, and we want to think that our we're walking towards a good and a bright future. So I don't know, but yeah, there's definitely it's the huge. Closer. It takes it does take it takes a lot of work. It kind of brings me back to my initial point of not initial point in this podcast. I don't know why I said that. Kind of brings me back to my initial point of view mm. on how relationships should be and what it should be is. I know I love that. I hate that in the codependent groups that, you know, the bean thing and they try to, you know, fit it together, oh, whatever. Right, yeah. But it should be two completely separate individuals right. who want to work on themselves and become, you know, work on their flaws, work on the things that they yeah. suck at. And they come together and they can be vulnerable and open enough with each other to help each other work on those things that they each need to work on. Right. And if you have two people who are willing to do that, you cannot have a better relationship. Oh, absolutely. And that's what it comes down to. And so much of 
what I've noticed now, because I'm observing just people in recovery and just people in general, nobody wants to do anything mm. as far as self-improvement. Yeah. Nobody. It's hard. It's, That's why. it's unbelievable. It's super hard. And I'm realizing more and more that I'm coming around people and just really observing people that nobody wants to do it. You'll find a lot of people that want to talk about doing it. Oh, my gosh. Like, go to any AA meeting or any outpatient group, and everybody there wants to talk about doing it. But the moment they leave, are they really actually working on themselves? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Well, episode 34, when I sat down with Keith Greer, and he said it right in the beginning when we talked about it. He said, people can be so insightful mm-hmm. about the things they need to work on and change in their lives and not do a thing. Right. It is so crazy. There's so many people who know all the things that they are flawed at and do nothing to change it. Yeah, being self-aware is not enough. Because I can say before this last time that I relapsed, somebody, one of my oldest friends, made a comment about how self-aware I am and how great of a thing that is. But guess what? I still walked With into no a relapse. That, that conversation happened probably three months before a relapse. Mm. So yeah, great. I was self-aware enough to realize that hey uh i'm probably on the verge of an issue here um and i you know i was making some i'd say half-assed efforts at that time but within the span of a few weeks they were gone and i had relapsed and it's just i don't know man going through horizon and learning about mindfulness for me something clicked something that has never clicked in the past for me was Horizons kind of your first go at mindfulness? That's, that was my that was as an big introduction. Of a word that is really yes, okay. Absolutely. So I had no knowledge, no previous knowledge of like dialectical behavioral therapy or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I heard about it and started practicing it, it really worked for me. And it's something that I was even skeptical in the village. Am I going to be able to carry this into real life? And I use it daily. That's beautiful. And I like. Yesterday, I was telling you about being out on the lake for 4th of July and just being completely present in that moment with somebody else that I really love being with. It was just surreal and mm-hmm. and just a perfect place to be. And it wasn't something that I was like, oh, I don't ever want this to end. I just want to stay out here on this lake for eternity. You know what I mean? It was more just like, I'm going to really let this be what it is. And it was amazing. Well, yeah, because if you're being mindful and in the moment, you're not thinking about it ending. <laughs> right. And you're it, not thinking about it lasting for a certain period of time. You're just there. Exactly. And it was so great to be able to just use those like really simple techniques. Like there's nothing ma- like mystical or magical about mindfulness. No, not it's at just all. Simple physical techniques that I think you can apply and then somewhere it transitions into the, the spiritual realm. And I don't really understand it. I don't think I have to understand it. I just know that it works for me and I can put it into practice. It is a beautiful thing. I love I'm trying to remember how I f- started falling in love with Eastern philosophy. Somebody showed me uh, like a 10-minute Alan Watts Alan Watts clip. Jesus. An Alan <laughs> Watts clip. There we go. About, I don't know, what, eight, nine years ago maybe? Okay. And I just, yeah. I loved him. I just loved it. And I just started listening to Alan Watts stuff over and over. Just He has so much stuff out there and... It's so awesome because in a, in a true sense to be completely like in an Eastern state of thinking or even like a true if 
for lack of a better term, like an enlightened person. I mean, they all isolate themselves on top of mountains Mm -hmm. and they let go of everything and they're all suffering. Everything is what it is Mm -hmm. and you can disconnect from everything and live that way. You can't, can't do that living in Buffalo, New York. Right. In the United States of America, in a city with five hundred thousand or nine, how many fucking right. people live in here? Whoever and lives here. If you just can't do it. So what I love is the people who bring Western thinking and Eastern thinking together. Mm-hmm. Which, when you kind of get into it and you really dig deep down for the essence of the of what it all really means, they're very very similar. And a lot of people don't think that, but they are. Mm. There's a lot of similarities. You know, whether you're reading friggin' about Buddhism or Taoism or Zen, or you're reading, you know, Immanuel Kant or Aristotle or Socrates, they're all essentially getting at the same thing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is. It's our minds. And it's just this constant ticking thing going on and on and on that doesn't ever stop. And it produces suffering. It produces so many things, as beautiful as a tool as it is. It's the reason why we have succeeded so well as a species, but it's also our biggest burden. Absolutely. And I think that's where, let's say, go back to me sitting out there on the lake. If I, and this is something I used to do to myself a lot, actually, is just torture myself with the fact that that next morning I had to be at work. Right. So Mm. all of a sudden I'm no longer sitting on this beautiful lake with a nice breeze coming over the water and just enjoying fireworks with someone that I really enjoy being with. All of a sudden my mind has created a scenario where I'm at work and I'm too tired to work or oh, um, I was on my way to work and, you know, did I fall asleep at the wheel? Am I going to have enough energy to make it through the whole day? Is it going to be an extra long day? Like your mind all of a sudden just starts, like you said, just click, Mm -hmm. click. Like, boom, like thought after thought after thought. And now this is where I think anxiety really sets in is you've now created imaginary scenarios that don't exist and probably (laughs) will never exist. And you're so stressed about them that your body has a physical reaction to them. And it's just, I don't know. So bringing your mind, and I like to use the word distract distracting it with the present like trying to take all of your senses as many of your senses as you reasonably can and involve them in the current moment Mm. while holding the last one still in your mind you know what i mean like it's kind of hard to do but if you practice it you'll get better at it and you'll find that you won't have the ability to let your mind wander you will be in that moment so really like feeling the breeze and then smelling the breeze and thinking about what does that smell like and then you know watching the fireworks and really describing the colors while still thinking about you know the scent of the breeze and feeling it like so now I've involved three of my senses just just like that in a matter of a moment that doesn't leave your mind any space to just run like it loves to do like we've been trained to do Mm mm-hmm you know, throughout our entire lives in our society. Constantly planning what's going to happen next. Oh, shit. Tomorrow I got to do this. I got to do that. Mm -hmm. I got to go do this. Oh, my God, that person. I got to deal with this person tomorrow. Yeah. And we get this anxiety that just revs up in us and we can't stop it. And if you want to bring it back to Western type philosophy or or religion, Jesus himself said, don't take any thought for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, so foxes have holes. Right. Don't. Don't do it. Don't. There's no need for it. Like you will, it'll take care of itself. Because yesterday, I was living in that moment, and I'm still in that same moment. I'm still now 
and once you realize that you're always here I don't know now. you'll uh, yeah exactly and you almost like drive people crazy who who don't get it because they like a lot of people think that I'm making a joke or um not well, being zen, serious Well Zen is this is why I love it Taoism and Zen are just so they're hysterical when they so, are. when something connects and you understand it in Buddhism or you know Taoism yeah, yeah. you laugh Yes. I mean, that's why they have that, the the Laughing Buddha. Or yes. It's not the Laughing Buddha, but there's actually a different name for him. But whatever, that's why they have mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And it just cracks me up, man. There's so many funny things. Like, there's this Alan Watts thing, and he's talking about having tea with this enlightened Zen master or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he says, he's telling the story about, he asked me, you know, which came first, the chicken or the, the egg? Mm-hmm. And... He goes that Alan Watts starts explaining something, and the Zen master goes, "No, it's bagok." <laughs> <laughs> like that's the answer, you know? Right? You know, Zen is not thinking about Zen while peeling potatoes. Zen is peeling potatoes, right? And I love that stuff, and you laugh at it because it's so it's funny, and it's so because it's so simple. Yeah, people. I think some people want an answer that is like so complex that they can wrap their mind around why mm-hmm. they haven't gotten it yet for something to be that simple and be the answer to such a large problem it's hard for people to grasp it's, it's hard for super me to hard grasp, you know i always use the analogy of god's grace we feel like we have to earn something mm-hmm. like we have to work for it it's mm-hmm. like no you already have it yeah you got it it's already in you it's right there right you can't have more you can't have less nothing you do is going to net more of it nothing you do is going to make you lose it yep it's it. It's I mean, there. Yeah, exactly. It just is. It's yeah. in the eternal now. It's so trippy. I don't know how we got to this from relationships. Right. Well, and what we can bring it back. Megan, just any time, now she will like beat me too. Like, it's all we have is the eternal now. <laughs> She'll say it like making fun of me, and I'll be like, "You're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely, that's right." <laughs> that's one. Christine is very into the Eastern philosophy. Yeah, as well. that's cool. She she doesn't like I have a very I do get very um not nihilistic definitely not nihilism but very like I st- I still to this point they think life is completely meaningless and pointless right you know I I really there's nothing that I've been I've tried I've tried convincing myself that there is something to it but it's all hoaxed as far as I'm concerned I think though therein you can probably find some beauty. The the fact that it I think that's what makes it beautiful right is that there's it's, it's this so is all limited. pointless it's yeah. so and it's so limited this is really it mm-hmm. so you better really make this into something that's great I mean yeah we're just we're nobodies on this planet eventually we're gonna we're gonna die mm-hmm. in the Mexican tradition there's you go through three deaths one is the moment you realize you're gonna die mm-hmm. two is the moment when you actually die mm-hmm. and three is when the person who last knew of your existence dies, knows you, knows of you, knows your name, remembers you, whether they it's die. through telling or not, and they die. That's it. You're done. Never again will there's you not be. not even a memory of will you. Will you be mentioned? I mean, I guess there's an argument now with audio and stuff, but eventually that's going to wear and tear or get lost or right. get infected oh, yeah. with It'll a virus be, and yes. it's gone. It'll get eaten up by mm-hmm. the world, like the earth or the, the cosmos. Something that's going to go. Yeah, and eventually it. that's it. Your name will never be mentioned again. That's crazy. To and that's about. weird to think of. Wasn't that movie about that? Didn't they do a, a like what an movie? animated movie about the the Mexican death thing? Oh, I don't know. They did. Kudo, Kubo? No. It was about that little kid and his guitar and I don't know, whatever. It doesn't matter. That's right. But yeah, they kind of briefly touched on it in like a Disney kind of way. But yeah, that is cool because 
think about just like fast forward, let's say a hundred thousand years, which isn't really that long. Considering in the span of the cosmos, it's not not a long time. Even the people in the Bible knew that Mm -hmm. that like for God, you know, days a thousand years and vice versa. I think that was a way of just explaining that this. The cosmos, our time is so limited and tiny. It's such a tiny blimp. It's like a vapor. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, another way they used to describe it. Uh, let's fast forward 100,000 years when the sun has already exploded and eaten up this entire planet. Anything that any of us has ever done, no matter how great it is, whether... It's gone. You're right. Whether it's the tallest building on Earth or the little sandcastle that some kid built. You know, a grain of sand, yeah. They're gone. It's mm-hmm. over. You know, it's just been swallowed up in an explosion, and now it's floating through a vacuum, and maybe it's going to run into another planet. I, who knows? You know what I mean? Like, all that stuff, once you start, and once I, I mean, personally, once I started learning about the cosmos and how that works, it's like, man, we are literally nothing. Yeah. And some people look at that like, oh, that makes them feel like crap. To me, it makes it awesome because, you know what? When I was at Horizon Village in front of 50 people speaking, and I muffled up on some words, who cares? right (laughs) like it's not that big of a deal it's not that serious you know it's like yeah whatever over that kind of stuff it's crazy yeah and it's just we are we're so so tiny even think about the earth in Mm -hmm. comparison to the universe yeah it is so bizarre how like small we are and just and then you like just think of our galaxy how small we still are Mm -hmm. and yet we think we're just this huge thing we take things so seriously that it's like why yeah, and I'm very much well still guilty of doing it a lot in right. my own life. Oh, yeah. It's like a constant thing you have to work on. But Yeah, I think that it is, um, it's just something that's been set up in our minds through society to believe that we're, I think it comes from being the most dominant thing on the planet. You mm-hmm. know, the human race is the most dominant species on our planet. Yep. So obviously we're going to have we a think bit of a special. God complex, yep. you know, but I mean. Ernest Becker says we are gods with anuses. <laughs> We have this in his book, Denial of Death. I should let you read that. It's yeah, one that's of my funny. all-time favorite books. Already. But he does. He says, we're gods with anuses. We have this this beautiful power to contemplate the past, talk about the future, plan for the future, create this beautiful, magnificent art and everything else. But yet, deep down, we know we are going to die. <laughs> we are rotting. Right. And we are eventually going to be dead and never exist again. And yeah. that scares us. So we invent religion and theology and we we find it in in love or in right. art or in poetry or in music or whatever it is we, f- we have to find something that's just like all right i feel like i'm going to be here forever right and you know maybe it'll last a couple hundred years think about like in history even the greatest humans in history i mean the human race is only you know we're not that old no I don't know. There's kind very of, few people that have been remembered longer than a couple hundred years. Swinging that back to like love, I feel like that's a huge. You get dopamine releases, man, with mm. the just being in love with somebody. It's like this high you can get addicted to. Yes. Even if it's we, I don't know if we were recording when we talked about it. Just that wanting to be needed, mm-hmm. like knowing this person in quotes needs me. Yes. And and I'm doing for them what they're doing for me, and I love that feeling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that in itself, I think, boosts that even more. You want to know what's funny, though? And I talked with my younger brother, Dave, about this once. Why is it? So think about this. The first, let's say, four, five, six, maybe tops months of a relationship, you get, like, huge amounts of dopamine release with someone, and you feel so great about them, and everything they do that eventually is going to annoy the crap out of you you think is cute and special and funny. But... 
people still typically will like jump maybe two, three relationships like that and then fall into a long-term relationship. Because knowing, like personally, me knowing that is a, a limited experience with a single human being, I'm not going to feel that way with that person forever, right? And knowing that if I get rid of the person that I'm with, I can feel that with a new person. For some reason, I still settle down. And almost everybody does. There are very few people that are like serial short-term relationship people. I think it gets older. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I feel, and this is just my experience, and this isn't like some cheesy romantic thing I'm saying. I've been with Christine, I think like five and a half years. Okay. And I literally fall more and more in love with that woman. Hmm. I literally still get these crazy dopamine releases. Really? Oh my God, all the time. Just when I'm around her, to be with her, when I'm laughing with her. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know what has made that so different. That's why, like, I always think when people talk about this, like, no, you don't have a relationship like me. And I don't know what that is. I don't know, because I never believed that connection. I always always said, yeah, it will die down. It gets old. It gets stale. I, at one point, I remembered, you know, when I was with Michelle, was, is there ever going to be a time where you don't get sick of it? I just kind of thought that was it. Is this it, pretty much? That's mm-hmm. what I asked. And I'm just like, is this it? Yeah. This can't be it. There has to be something for real. And I real like literally miss the shit out of her all the time. I have to teach myself to spend time away from her and do things mm-hmm. without her as she does with me. And it's very, very bizarre. But I said there's nothing codependent about her relationship either. Right. It's very two healthy individuals working on themselves, coming together to help each other work on each other. And maybe that is what is keeping you in like that sweet spot you know what i mean like mm-hmm. what that everybody gets to feel like maybe everybody can stumble into that for the first two or three months with somebody just because of like you can't help but feel that way you could probably feel it with like a hippopotamus because it's really still it's to. still novel yeah the relationship right. still novel. so once that novelty wears off mm-hmm. there has to be something that keeps it going and i think ensuring that you're not codependent has to go a long way and obviously for you it has and i think what keeps novelty there at least the feeling of novelty is when you have two people who are constantly working on themselves Mm -hmm. they're constantly changing together they're constantly seeing each other grow and get better at things in themselves and it almost keeps this feeling of novelty continuously burning because well this isn't i'm certainly not the same person five and a half years ago when we started talking Okay. She's certainly not the same person. I've seen all the things she has worked on in herself that she has changed to get better at. All the things that I've been working on in myself and getting better at. And it's this constant novel feeling Mm. of, wow, this is still, this is a completely different person. Yeah. I mean, essentially, I'm the same. There's a lot of, obviously, there's certain permanent personality traits, but there's just, when you're working on yourself and becoming a better person and you have somebody you have a connection with that is doing the same thing. It continuously keeps you guys growing together. So maybe then we're on to something here with here's what happens in a codependent relationship. Those things that don't get worked on, right? So maybe there's something about my significant other that annoys me that is a character flaw Mm -hmm. that she cannot see because she's not examining herself, not working on herself, not getting better. 
those little things are what I end up attaching to and vice versa. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not trying to paint a picture that I'm perfect in this relationship. And, you know, what I'm saying is if I'm not working on myself and weeding out those things that will annoy her and she's not working on herself and weeding out those things that are going to annoy me or anyone else around her for that matter, it just happens to be that we're going to be the people that are spending the Mm -hmm. most time with each other. So you see everything. You're going to see it more. Anyways, working on yourself and becoming better, you see, okay, that thing that currently maybe in this current time period is annoying me hopefully hits her list of things she needs to work on and she gets rid of it. Or, you know what I mean? Not not that you want to constantly change the person, um, but you do want to see them grow into no, a but better if you're, person. Yeah, if you're openly communicating with each other about things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's naturally going to weed itself out. Yeah, and if you can be open and be receptive to constructive criticism, I think is another big thing in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as somebody takes a stance of, you're wrong, a very defensive stance of, you're wrong, and that is not an issue of mine, um, that's something that I like about myself, whether it's a character flaw or not, I think what you stumble upon is arguments and something that's going to become a bone of contention and brought up over and over and over again until eventually it becomes a straw that breaks the camel's back and the relationship dies. Mm. So, yeah. I that's think, right. I think we've we've made a pretty solid point here. It just people kind of, this where we started at the beginning, people don't want to work on themselves, man. Right. And you either settle or you're with somebody and all those things that you're not working on, eventually you just send the other person over the edge or yeah. vice versa. Right. And it's just, it's constantly when we, as a human being, when we stop and yes, you're going to get distracted and you're going to project onto somebody mm. and it's going to happen. It happens all the time. Maybe you're too tired and you're not quite aware enough at that moment but when you're never doing it it's just constantly going to be everybody else's fault all the time Mm -hmm. it's not me it's everybody else Mm -hmm. and you're going to constantly find yourself feeling alone i mean it's a simple it's a simple thing and we have to continuously try to develop courage and self-care and self-love and acceptance that yeah you know what i have a lot of things that i'm always going to have to work on but yet i'm still going to keep working on things and you have to be able to cut yourself some slack because that was one of my biggest reasons for using was I had this list of things that I was terrible at and just kept getting bigger and yeah. bigger and bigger. And I was like, wow, I'm a piece of shit. Right. I am right. a really fucked up human being. And I have so many things to work on and this list keeps getting bigger and I can't, I don't know how what I'm going to do. And I was just like, I hated myself. Mm. There were so many things about myself that I was like, I can't keep up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think every person is always going to have a huge list of that. But yeah, you really got to examine the good too and realize, hey, I'm working on it. And there's, you know, this list, however small it may be, of things that I've worked on and developed. And I am better today than I was three weeks ago Mm. when I realized that was an issue. Absolutely. That's huge. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to touch on with you real Mm. quick is, because it kind of came up when we were talking about relapses and stuff is the guilt that people feel when they screw up and for instance like the one friend we know who had a couple drinks and now he got kicked out of his oxford house and now he's just a mess Mm -hmm. he's just a total mess and because you you slip up once and we just ride this guilt train and just say fuck it and we just keep going down like well i did this this far and i can't stand it because i feel like there are certain self-help groups that totally 
push that almost. Oh, absolutely. And maybe not totally intentionally, but it's just like, oh, your clean time's over. You got to start all over yeah. now. What the hell, man? And yeah, in a perfect world, okay, abstinence is the best policy, right? But I think for me, I've had to come to a place of being happy and satisfied with personal harm reduction. So that looks different for every single human being. And your issue was completely different from my issue. Although we both liked the same exact drug and we both did exactly some of the same exact things, Mm -hmm. yours affected you completely differently than mine affected me. I was using them completely differently. Yeah. Exactly. So, And and that's just one of 100,000 ways that it was different. So our recovery needs to be just as customized. And I think as long as harm reduction is at the forefront, and today I'm living a productive life as a member of society who I love my job, I have a a person in my life who I love being with and being around. If I look at my life when I was in active addiction compared to today, it's night and day. I'm not that Mm -hmm. same person. And for me, that's success. Whether I have six years sober or three days sober, uh, you know, counting like consecutively the way that they do, it doesn't matter. What matters is how am I living my life today and what am I doing with myself? I think such a big thing is too, people... They just focus on, all right, I'm not going to use anymore. What can I do to not use as opposed to what was I doing or what is it about me that was making me enjoy using? Because I think about myself now, like you see people who are like, oh, I shouldn't probably shouldn't drink around. I'm like, I have no desire to go drink. I have no desire because of how beautiful my life has become because of the things I've changed in myself that have caused me to just have no desire. I used to always think, oh, you can't have any fun without having some beers. Right. You can't enjoy any moment without getting, you know, having some fucking hydrocodones. Right, right. No, I get it. It's like now it's just amazing because I've worked on a lot of things in in me that had to change my point of view of existence. Yes. And you see so many people that are doing just stupid, messed up things, and they're not changing or even working on themselves at all. It just goes right in full circle back to that. Mm-hmm. Is you stop using drugs, and you don't change anything else about yourself and wonder why it's so difficult to stay clean. Yeah, and that's the that's my main reason for not collecting clean time. Because I started, I did it, you know what I mean? I went through the clean time collecting and getting the tokens or whatever it is. And yeah, I get the point, right? I get that it has its place, it's got its merits or mm-hmm. whatever. And some people, maybe they need that. But for me, it doesn't mean what it means to maybe somebody else. Yeah, and that's know. why I always change my... You know, almost 17 months clean to almost 17 months of making my bed every day. To me, that right. is that much more badass. That's like, more yes, important. Yes, I made my bed every day for 17 months. Yeah, I agree. I love it. Mm-hmm. I also Just love make it. your bed, folks. That's all you need to do. And your, and life, your life is great. great. Just make your bed every day. <laughs> and also don't lay in it all day. Yes. Yeah, that's a huge, a huge thing. Obviously, I believe... There are certain chemical imbalances where people have depression and everything else. Yes. Oh, I But I also will stay pretty firm to this, that if you are laying in bed all day, you don't give yourself a fighting chance against Mm -hmm. anything. And I really have have trouble feeling sorry. And I don't know, maybe that's wrong. I don't know. I have Uh trouble feeling sorry for somebody who has mental health problems as far as depression and anxiety, and they you don't see them attempting to do anything to try to change it. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's the same thing with, like, medicated assistant treatment. 
mm-hmm. just taking Suboxone, just taking methadone is not going to help you stay clean. Absolutely not. That needs to be done with a lot of other things going on. So taking you know, whatever it is, some depression medication and laying around and not doing anything and working on anything isn't going to help your depression. I agree. Like you have to get up and like you have to do something, find something you love to do. And and what happens too, I think, is that the, the medication gets far too much credit. And I actually did this too because I depression was one of the biggest hurdles I had to get over in early recovery. And I got on a medication that didn't work and then I got on one that that started working but at the same time that that medication started working I started exercising I started eating better Hmm. um, I started being you know more active and more social and let like one thing Tabitha the village had said one day it was like okay no more naps you're not taking a nap in the afternoon (laughs) we're not in kindergarten anymore you're going to be a grown man and you're not going to take a nap during the day (laughs) and it sounds hilarious because it was but, yeah, well, I remember you at the village. It is night and day. Yeah, yeah. and and it, it it was big for me to do those things. And that's what she said. She's like, you're giving this medication, yeah, probably has a small effect and it's probably helped, but you're giving it way too much credit. Really mm-hmm. what has helped your depression is doing all those things, exercise, social interaction, uh, you know, and just eating healthier. Those three things, anyone, if you're depressed, I promise you, if you can bring yourself to do those things, it'll go away. It, it, it melted away from me. And you have to break that inertia, though, because I remember mm-hmm. being in bed thinking, I cannot get out of bed. Why can I not get out of bed? And that inertia, that's the hardest part. But once you break that, you you can get out of it. And I've I've personally gotten out of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't say I don't have any sympathy for people. I've definitely got empathy for people who are in it. No, but I do, like too. You said, it's, just, it's tough. It's tough to really, like, there's a certain person at the Oxford house I was living in that you are currently living in. Sure. That he tries to pull the mental health card all the time. And it's like, you don't do one thing. Yeah. You don't do anything to try to change it and make it better. Yeah. Other than take your meds and you literally lay in your room all day. And I had, like, carrying genuine sympathetic or i should say empathetic conversations with them dude you got to get out and do so you can't yes. if you stay in your bed all day of course you're gonna anybody's gonna be depressed when you're they're laying bed in bed all day and that's gonna be painful yeah you're literally anybody if they lay in bed all the time and right. i'm not exaggerating when i say almost all the time yeah when yeah. you're doing that of course you're not gonna feel great like who would not even the great donald trump could lay no. in bed all day no and he and spends still, a lot of time in bed. Still That's right. <laughs> the show has no political opinions. Okay. <laughs> Copyright 2019. This is a good note to end on. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, Matt. What is yeah. this, number six? I don't know. Number I'm just seven? a regular contributor now. You are. Yeah. I love it. It's great. I'm, You're I'm my go-to. I'm hoping... Yeah. Um, Hoping those Janet Gaskin ones can get fixed. Me too, because I was really looking forward to hearing her. Yeah, I mean, we'll redo it. We'll yeah, redo if, it. I hope you don't have to, because I think there's something great about like the first Yes, shot. I agree. But it's organic. We'll see. But whatever. You know, it might, it might, second one could turn out better, though, because mm. she was a little, uh, it's funny how nervous she was about doing it. Hey, some people think it, it different. It Remember, Abby funny. was pretty nervous. Yeah. But then she kind of relaxed. But that's what, that's what I told Janet when we were done. I was like, you got in the zone. I knew when that that switch flipped yes like you really start hosting all the time you start reading when somebody's like they're in it now all right right. i know and you almost could actually and i don't know if it would even be worth it to do this but you could almost cut out like the first five or six minutes when they're not in the zone you know what i mean 
Yeah, no, you could. Although you do get some great candid stuff at the beginning of this. I do. I love hitting record. Yeah. And, and just, not telling people. Right, because yeah. that, that natural talk is great. Even Keith was like, um, that episode I just released last Monday, we had we were talking about, I think we were talking, kind of got on about relationships and love. Yeah. And he was like, all right, you ready to get going? I was like, oh, we've been going. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, we're oh, in really? It. Okay. <laughs> that was awesome. So, all right, Matthew, thank you for joining me in this yeah. nice, humid room, the <laughs> original Room 9 studio. It's a sauna. Peace out. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. As I said in the beginning, it's always awesome sitting down with Matthew and having awesome conversations with him. So it's great to have him in my back pocket, for lack of a better term, uh, in case when emergencies pop up. So, anywho, hope you guys enjoyed that episode. It is pretty awesome to think about in relationships. It was probably my favorite point that we came across when you have two people who are really willing to work on themselves and then come together and help each other work on each other. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. Whether it's an intimate relationship or just a friendship, it's awesome. So don't forget to get on room9podcast.com, fill out a contact form, hit us up at Facebook, at Twitter, social media, share the page, share the podcast, get on iTunes, rate us, give us a review, or any other podcast listening platform. And that's about all I got for you guys today. It's always awesome that you guys take the time and listen and share and spread the word and everything else. Don't forget if you need a recovery coach to email me at room9podcast at gmail.com with the subject line recovery coach and we'll get you connected and hooked up. Other than that, you guys have a great week and I will be talking to you next week and hopefully all the kinks are worked out of the technological disturbances that I am having this past few days. So, alright guys, much love. Peace out.